If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Dragoncast. Home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the highly anticipated return to Westeros. I'm feeling a little bit ill, Chris. Am I talking about that Aegon? Or that Aegon? We'll never... Oh, God, it's all gone wrong. Uh, hello and welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. I'm your host and maester of ceremonies, Jamie East. I'm all over the shop. And joining me this week for our regular round of fiery action is, as always, journalist, writer, and the knitted mittens on the hand of the king. Well, it is a little autumnal, isn't it? Chris Mandel, how the devil are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. I'm on my third glass of milk of the poppy, and I'm absolutely high as a kite. <laughs> that's heroin. Can we just... Like, milk of the poppy uh, for drug connoisseurs, that's that's heroin, is it? It's like a... I thought it was like more a, like morphine. Milkshake of heroin? I thought it was like a sort morphine. Of morphine thing. Because it's, you know, it's, opium, it's right? Morphine like, not just, it's morphine, not just heroin. Oh, I don't know. I've never taken heroin knowingly, um, so I'm not sure. Listen to your Uncle Jamie. Morphine <laughs> is just basic. No, morphine's just medical medical skag, mate. Right. Oh, that's why it's so addictive, I suppose. <laughs> oh, so Moorish. Um, now, uh, as first of all, you're going to have to watch the YouTube version of this to see why uh, that intro was so chaotic. Uh, and secondly, yeah. you may notice that uh, this episode, uh, yet again, is just Chris and I. But, but have we got news for you? Because uh, as soon as you've listened to this episode, if you pop back onto your podcast player of choice, we are so excited because we've literally just finished recording it. We are so excited because we have got the podcast exclusive interview with none other than King Viserys I, Paddy Considine. Oh my goodness me. We've had a chat with him. We've just spent half an hour in his company. Uh, Without giving any spoilers away, Chris, how was it for you? It was great. Yeah, he was so, so good. Really pulling apart the episode. Probably shouldn't say any more, but yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. We had a ha- we had a hand last week, and now we have a king with a hand missing. And who knows where we go from here? It's it's so good. An actual dragon. I mean, that's that's as far as Vagar is going to be on next week. <laughs> yeah. Vagar's on next week. Or oh, Caraxes looking for his uh, looking for her clutch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Shall we just get on with this episode? Let's because uh, you know, I first of all, I'd like to I'd like to make a solemn apology to uh, Sky TV. I I forgot that I was not supposed to mention that I watched the episode early, and I accidentally did. But it was only because I was so excited. I went on Twitter, and people were like, "Oh, shut up! Don't be ridiculous! You're getting all over excited." Thank you, Twitter. Hello. Um, <laughs> but I think I was right because I said that that was, I think, in my top three of favorite Thrones episodes of all time, mm. and I, I, I stand by that. Think you know, Red Wedding, The Long Night. 
and and this one I think just edges Battle of the Bastards for me because uh, it's it's all about the heart. I just oh my goodness me! I watched it last week. I watched it again this morning. Still had goosebumps all the way through. Screamed at my television even more the second time. How was it for you, Chris? It was great. Can I before we go into this episode? Can I shock you? Yeah. Can I shock you? I don't like the red wedding episode that much. Fucking hell! Wow. Thing is, right? The bit, the red wedding bit is amazing. The bit leading up to it. Okay. Forty-five minutes before yeah. then. Oh my god, it's quite boring. So that's my first take out of the day. Straight out of the. Okay. Straight out the gate. This episode I thought was absolutely amazing. This season is getting better and better. And I think it was just a lot like what we talked about last week, where it was just so many people crammed into a small space with loads of beef and it just all kicked off. There was lots of tension. There was lots of like, uh, it's interesting because when I heard, oh, it's going to be about who gets to inherit Driftmark, I thought, I'm not sure if I care no, that who much. Cares? To be yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Vaymond Valerian, uh, call us his brother, I thought, not sure if I'm that sort of invested in you generally, but obviously it's a little microcosm, isn't it? It's like a sort of a bit of a, a political conversation that's actually showing the tension between um, Rhaenyra and Alison. And it's a sort of microcosm, isn't it? Of the, of the larger well, chaos. Well, it was the MacGuffin. Yeah. It was the MacGuffin, wasn't yeah. it? Of the of the whole episode. It was the, They had to have something that, that forced the issue exactly. and that, that brought everything else into the fore. It allowed for some great development, some great scenes. I thought it was a surprisingly funny episode. Like it was funny. Which bit which which bit did you laugh at, Chris? I'll t- <laughs> Damon and Rainier are going to visit Viserys. Alicent comes in and is like trying to explain like, oh yeah, the, the king is still telling me what to do. And, and Damon's like, well, how is he doing that? Through sort of whispers and moans or something. And it's like, <laughs> Damon is just there. Like he is not entertaining Alison for a second. He sees right through yeah. her. And I thought he brought such a good light sort of jokey energy to the episode, which otherwise could have been a little heavy because it is quite- No, that's episode. a fair point. He, he took a back seat for uh, for most of the scenes, mm-hmm. apart from one amazing uh, scythe with the Valyrian steel. Yeah. But he really did, yeah, he, 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 made it, he made it count. Again, Matt Smith does so much with so little. Yes, and it's that thing of just, again, when you bring all these people together and you get new combinations of people, that's when- it's really exciting. And I think Alison and Damon hadn't really spent a lot of time together. So having them butting heads was just really interesting. But I think Damon has just become way more interesting since uh, Rainier and him have kind of been reunited in a way, because I thought he was great last episode as well. She completed him. I completely, completely, yeah. completely agree. Um, all right, let's go back. Now, before we start, everybody get in touch with us. Let us know what you thought about this incredible episode. Tweet us at dragoncast underscore pod. Email dragoncast at daftdoris.com or leave your comment in the YouTube uh, video below. Is that what they leave the comments in the YouTube video? I sound every one of my 48 years. <laughs> the now, the king is dead. Long live the queen, or will it be king? Will it be king? Will it be queen? We're in a bit of a pickle here, aren't we? Uh, classic, classic Game of Thrones moment where everything seemed set. Everyone was happy. There was a wonderful speech at a dinner table. Granddad had told the grandkids to stop fighting and just calm the hell down. And it seemed as though they'd listened. And then that pesky heroine uh, fogged his brain and caused him to get mixed up between uh, his wife and his daughter, carried on telling the uh, the prophecy of the Song of Ice and Fire, and mistakenly, uh, Alicent took that to mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, mm-hmm. took that to mean that his dying breath was that, don't tell anyone, but I was lying. It's our son that's the king. Make it so. That's, that's, that's what happened, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the classic Westeros conundrum. If everyone names their child Aegon and the dying king's wishes are for Aegon to be king, it will create a few problems. Rhaenyra visited Viserys earlier in the episode to say, I need help. I need you to back me up here. Like, I know you name me as heir, but like everyone is fighting that. And I think when Alicent sort of goes to see him shortly before he dies, he thinks he's still talking to Rhaenyra. So he says, look, no one else knows about the song of ice and fire. No one else knows about the dream. It's you. You've got to help me. It's Aegon. It's you. And obviously Alicent thinks, oh, it must be my son, Aegon. And of course, he means Aegon the First, the one back in the day. Now, in any normal in any normal world, 
what would happen now is that Alison would go, oh my goodness me, my husband's dead. Rhaenyra would go, oh my God, my dad's dead. They'd go, listen, he said this really weird thing. He mentioned yeah. something called the Song of Ice and Fire. Rhaenyra would then go, yeah, what that was. Okay, so there's this prophecy about there's this there's this fucking freezing cold fella north mm-hmm. of the wall who's going to come down and, and resurrect the dead and, and, and kill everyone. And she's going to go, oh my God, for a second I thought she was talking, for a second I thought uh, he was talking about my son Aegon. No, 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 no. He was talking about Aegon the Conqueror. Yeah. All right, fine. Thank goodness for that. And they move on. It's not going to happen, is it? That's no, just, it's all going to... They're not going to sit and talk it's about just it. All... They both feel like they know something the other one doesn't. And they both feel closer to Viserys, I think. I think Alison took this as confirmation. His dying thing was to let me in and tell me the thing that he couldn't tell me. What I think is really interesting is whether Damon knows about this. I don't think he does, about the Song of Ice and Fire. And I think it's really interesting to just think about where... How he's going to feel that like everyone's sort of quabbling about his dying wishes and he goes, hang on, I don't know anything about this threat that's passed through our family uh, because obviously he's the second son and it um, wasn't as uh, pertinent for him. But yeah, it's a really classic sort of comedy of errors almost in a way, isn't it? Where there's a, a, a real mistake. But I think it's really clever because it sets up loads of conflict for the rest of the season. Um, I sort of thought Viserys would maybe die next week. I thought this was going to be a quiet episode of reconciliation. And obviously in dying, now there is nothing stopping these two factions going absolutely apeshit and trying to kill each other. So I think that's where this is going. So it's so exciting to just think about all the chaos that's about to unfold. Absolutely. And shoot me down uh, with with all the book people, if you like. But thoughts you mentioned there, you know, that some, you know, Rainier is still going to have this prophecy in her mind. Is she going to, and I don't know the story, I've not read the book, so bite me. Is she now going to, is part of the storyline would be amazing, I think, because we have talked about how we miss the magic and how mm. we miss that kind of, the whole Three-Eyed Raven element of it. Is there going to be a strand of, of plot now where Rhaenyra is now trying to prove or find out more about this prophecy? Because that would be pretty tantalizing yeah. because that would mean that would mean the wall it would mean kind of like a bit of a side mission for Rhaenyra possibly the kids mm-hmm. to kind of because that's that's what everything hinges on you know at some point I'm sure they will have that conversation and Rhaenyra is going to go no 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 he's on about the Night King yeah might be what gets them out of the capital city going forward I mean we know that they don't find proof because no one believes it until hard home yeah, well, we know that Dragonstone is where they find all the dragon glass that you know the ancestors left. I mean, maybe maybe Rainier is involved in that in some way. I don't know. Maybe that's she's a little late for that. Maybe it's already there. But that's kind of funny, right? That like yeah. they're sitting on all this dragon glass which kills White Walkers, and they might yeah. not know about it. Um, what I would say is I don't I, I haven't read the books that the this show has been adapted from. What I do know, however, because people talked about this after the first episode of the season is that the Song of Ice and Fire stuff is not in the books. This has been put in the show. And I think it's as a, okay. as a bit of connective tissue to Game of Thrones that like, oh yeah, uh, you know, there okay. are weirdest. Oh, so this whole, misunderst- this whole misunderstanding's just been generated by TV? I think the misunderstanding is there, but I think, I don't think it's kind of done in the same way. That is my understanding that like... Oh, I love that. So, but I, I think it's, it's makes- better. I think it's improving, adding more texture, adding a bit more context because that's the, a brilliant thing for them to be at loggerheads about is to misunderstand yeah. this this prophecy or this dream. And I think also Helena, um, Viserys' daughter with Alison, she's clearly got some sort of prophetic dreaming ability. And again, I don't believe that is in the original source material, but is used to show the, the dream is there. Like it, this next generation have got this ability. And Viserys died not knowing that because he didn't spend any time bonding with his second wife's children. It's so, it's so, Irony, right? it's meticul- so meticulously put together. Yeah. The threads of it all are just, are just wonderful. Let's let's wind back a bit we, because, as we said, the MacGuffin of the whole thing was who has the right to sit on the throne at Driftmark. Uh, yes. Corlys Valarian is missing, been missing for six years. Presumed dead. They there was talk, so he got slashed in the neck, uh, thrown overboard. Mm-hmm. And now has fever of the blood. What do we think the the modern day equivalent of of blood fever? Is? I thought like sepsis, maybe sepsis, meningitis, yeah, something like and sepsis. And he's recovering yeah. in the Stormlands, which is kind of near King's Landing. I which think. now, if that were the case, now I'm not, you know, I don't want to poo poo on any kind of plotline here. 
But if he'd been just near King's Landing for six years, wouldn't she just go and see him? I'd, am I missing something here? Would your yeah, wife not, not, sure. not go and visit? That's just my observation. Was just kind of like, he ain't that far away. And you're all going, oh, I don't know if he's dead or not. Yeah. Someone's got a dragon. You've, you know, your kids, your grandchildren. Anyone else just, need just, anything on the way? They're like, no, I think yeah. we're fine. I'm yeah. just going to get, I'm just going to go and see if Corliss is alive. Does anyone need any milk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just, you just, you just literally pop over and see. Yeah. Or at least he, unless he's gravely, gravely ill and couldn't send a raven, you'd at least send a message to the missus, wouldn't you? That's just, yeah. just my thought. Well, they've literally got dragons, haven't they? They could fly over. So you think he's dead? Do we think he's dead? you think he's dead? No, I don't think he's dead. I don't think he's dead. I think it's it's too too tantalising a a, a door to be left open. I think him dying off screen would be a bit insulting. But yeah, my thing is like, show me the body kind of thing. I think it's just maybe it was a bit too much for him to die and for everything else to go on in this episode. Uh, I just love though that they're like, nothing's changed in the last six years except the triarchy. Triarchy's back. It's like, fucking hell, it's like, getting rid of cockroaches isn't it like yeah they just keep coming back so yeah that was kind of funny that he's been away for six years and doing what he does best and they'd only just got round to doing it i mean i don't want to kind of you know i hope that people mourn my passing for many many decades but if that if my family was still sat around six years later wondering yeah. what to do next i'd be like come on guys it's like there's direct debits to be sorted out yeah, yeah? you know you just you'd move on i think One little scene, which didn't seem to have that much significance in the, in the in the capacity of episode eight, but I think will have moving forward was 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 Damon going on this kind of Indiana Jones archaeology yes. archaeological kind of visit and found uh, a clutch of Cyrax's eggs. Now you've said before that you you've enjoyed this this element of exploring how dragons function. We've not yet seen one take a shit yet, no. though. Come on, Miguel, <laughs> sort it out. Um, but we have seen how they lay eggs, and that's seemingly they find a little private crevice somewhere, yeah. bury them in lava. I'm going to say it's some like some like cooling yeah. kind of rock. Yeah, it's good so, good scene. I thought I thought it was really interesting, and you know, kind of what I thought was interesting is they could have explained that in dialogue, but they wanted to show it, and that is something that we have said a few times. Like, I don't quite understand how this works. Like, are the dragons shagging or are they like, do you know what I mean? It's a big, well, I don't want to see that, but like, it's a bit weird. Well, it sounds like, well, it sounds like you, you said you, you made that apology a bit too soon. Uh, how else would they? Well, some don't, how some like would... snakes don't, snakes produce themselves, don't they? Like, I don't know. Do snakes not shag? Is there no such thing as a snake dick? What? Where? <laughs> they can't, I don't think they do. Some animals can reproduce themselves. Like they don't need, they have okay. both parts. Maybe dragons do. Hang on a sec. A little sidebar. Uh, Dragoncast uh, fans, bear with us one minute because I'm just Googling do snakes have dicks? <laughs> Snakes have two penises what? called hemipenis. There you go. Wow. I went from thinking they have zero to finding out they have two. Yeah. <laughs> They've not only got one, they've got two. So literally in your face. So basically, yeah, let's get back to Cyrex. So Cyrex has three eggs that they will put in a put in a, a, a Le Creusier and, and heat on low for a few days. And I don't know how it kind of works, but we were sort of wondering kind of who they are going to get given to, who they're going to go to, but... Yep. Rhaenyra, we found out this episode, has two children with Damon and she looked yep. pregnant. So I guess they're going to go There was to... a definite pat of the tummy, wasn't there? Yes. There was a definite pat of the tummy. So she now has her own Aegon, Aegon Third, Yeah. And she also has Viserys. <laughs> yeah, Viserys. Joffrey's... No, Joffrey's one of the dark-haired... Uh, yeah, the so she's, she's before, got right? five now. So yeah. she has... Okay, fine. Jace, Luke, Joffrey, Aegon Third. And Viserys. And a sixth wow. on the way. I mean, they're going to have to move into a bigger castle at this point, aren't they? Um, I mean, yeah. At what point? I mean, th- there's no contraception there at all, is it? Is there? Maybe that's There's also the f- nothing else to do. This is, well, yeah, this is true. You uh, kill or shag, really, don't yeah. you? Yeah. It does make it does make me worry because I mean, we're going to have are we going to have more like recasting, aging up, recasting? It's like a crash in this. It's difficult to know which ones to care about as well, isn't it? Yes, uh, but what we should talk about is that the kids the, in this time jump, the kids have grown up. The the like yeah. the the young ones are now sort of young teenagers, young adults. So Jace, who is Rhaenyra's eldest son with Harwin Strong in secret, although everyone's claiming he's Lainor's. He's been recast. Um, he's kind of like a young sort of 
Jon Snow. He was learning his High Valyrian because he wants yeah. to. He thinks he's going to be king after his mum, and he's like, "I I should learn." And I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. Like he's being really, really studious and very academic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, on Team Green, Alicent's elder son Aegon the Second is a lazy, violent rapist. Basically, uh, Alicent yeah. gets uh, a visitor in the form of one of the maidens. One of the handmaidens, one of the serving girls, uh, who says that Aegon II raped her. And yeah. Alicent pays her off, gives her a big old mug of moon tea and says, like, sling your hook, basically. We don't need any more. We don't need any bastards around here that, are, you know, got a line to the throne. But it's interesting, isn't it? You've got these two sets of kids. Some of them are lazy, entitled, awful scumbags. And then some of them are like quite sweet natured lads yeah. um but yeah we're seeing this this animosity between the families really kind of rearing its head again aren't we it's it's not going away i thought the strong children in particular reminded me of game of thrones season one kids john snow bit of gendry bit of theon their hair was still very neat and yeah. tidy they hadn't quite got season four of any series uh the hair they looked very made up and and kind of i think they were still trying to find their feet a bit in 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 their scenes. Um, whereas the um, Aegon and Aemond would just seem to be very, very fully formed characters. Yeah. Aemond looks, Aemond looks about 35. Oh. We talked about this last week, but he's... he just, he just looks, he looks brilliant. Yeah. He, just, he does. There is an element of him where it's just like, it wouldn't surprise you if he appeared in John Wick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just got that look about him. He, he, he could just walk in and start attacking Keanu Reeves at any moment, but he he's just got a, brilliant face hasn't he proper targaryen face eye patch i think he looks a lot like damon yeah. actually i think there's a sort of similarity yeah the second son who's probably not going to get on the throne well i mentioned there was a standoff wasn't there after after viserys had gone um had gone away carried off on his chair at the dinner where where all the kids kicked off and damon held back from having a go at Aemond, I think. Mm. I think they are gonna. They they are gonna be. They're gonna butt heads at some point. Those two are. They yeah. they they circle each other a little bit. There's a little bit of the the old um, the hound and the mountain about about their their kind of yeah. connection. I think we talked about this in our interview with Paddy, but I think Alicent's children with Viserys haven't spent much time with their father at all. Uh, Viserys no. seems to have, uh, you know, consciously avoided them because he doesn't, you know, doesn't really feel anything towards them, and these boys have got absolutely zero idea of what a good male role model looks like. So Kristen is sort of training them with a bit of an iron fist. Their mother is constantly at her wit's end and they are like really toxic young men as a result. Whereas I do Mm. think that like, even though Rhaenyra's kids, uh, three of them are bastards, you know, they are raised with care and they're raised with love. And I think you can see that already, this divisiveness so yeah, there's a lot with the younger cast, uh, but then obviously everybody was was sort of at loggerheads this episode. I thought one thing I really wanted to talk about was Rhaenys, uh, the queen that never was, having a bit of a confrontation yep. with Rhaenyra at the Godswood. Yeah. Um, what did you think of that? I thought it was good. I thought, I thought finally, you know, it's nice to see Eve best uh, get some decent screen time. Yeah. Um, and I think we're clearly going to see more of her as time goes on. It was nice that I, what I felt was, you know, that thing is coming full circle. A lot of that happened in this in this um, in this episode was that was that actually everything rested on Rainey's decision, you yeah, know, whether or not she was going to back Rainera or go with the Valarians. So I like seeing Rainera and Rainey's together because mm-hmm. there's a bit of mutual respect there, whereby you know Rainey's wanted it but didn't get it, and Rainera at the time didn't want it and got it, and I think. There's a, she's she's mothering Rhaenyra a little bit as well, and and I think the the exchange of you know they they don't muck around, do they? Marrying off their kids Mm-mm. and and chucking away dragon eggs, it was it gave Rhaenyra an out and it gave Rhaenys an out as well. It was the it was the it was the logical thing yeah. that saved both of them from making really bad decisions. I think so. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, they they've got a common enemy in the high towers, yeah. I think. But I think also what was what I found really interesting about that scene was that, you know, Rhaenyra who was told like you have to have a husband, you have to I don't care who, you have to find someone. You know, she's doing the same to Lena and Baylor. She's like you're going to just have yeah. to marry my you're going to have to marry my boys. Like sorry, that's how it goes. And I think it's really interesting where you're seeing it going like look, I know you want to be free, you might want to be free-spirited like I once was, but like tough shit like my back's against the wall i need support 
Yeah. And yeah, she made what, what Rainey's described as uh, a generous offer or a desperate one. You know, we saw Rhaenyra try and betroth one of her um, sons to Helena a couple of episodes ago, and it was rebuffed by Alison. So here she's actually gone with both of her kids. Um, but yeah, I didn't know where Rhaenys was going to go because obviously last week, Lainor died in quotation marks and they sort of set up a, a they sort of framed his, uh, his, his murder. And yeah. Rhaenys obviously thinks that Rhaenyra and Damon were involved in that. How could she not? Because minutes later they've gone and, you know, face painted with their own blood on the beach and they've got, got married. And they sort of cleared the air this episode. I don't know how convinced she is by that, but I think it was good to just get them on the same team because it was like a sort of courtroom drama in this episode where they were yeah. really talking about the um, who's going to take over Driftmark. But again, they were really saying like, this could be a trap. The Hightowers could use this to say these kids are bastards and, and disinherit Rhaenyra. So it was really tense and I didn't know which way Eve Best was, was playing it. There was a moment where I thought where I thought Rhaenyra was going to fess up about Lainor. I did too. I really did too. Because I think Rhaenys would have understood. Yeah. You know, I think that now that with Corlys out of the picture, I don't think it would have been a massive stretch for Rhaenyra to go, look, he's not dead. He is alive he's, somewhere. He's getting ploughed every which way but Sunday on a, on Mykonos somewhere. Him and Carl are at a circuit <laughs> party in Pentos. <laughs> exactly. There's a phone party kicking off. Uh, Carl Cox has just arrived. Just leave them be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then, hey, that's why we don't write House of the Dragon because it would be one episode long. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. Um, I, I enjoyed it, and I think I think she's what well, she's what she, what she's got is what Rhaenyra has got is a, is a much needed ally. And yeah, and and let's not forget the thing that you need they are going to need is dragons. So you need yeah. the Valarians on your side because if they go to the High Towers, you are talking yeah. like I don't know seven dragons versus three, like it's a no brainer. So. Yeah. And yeah. I think also Rhaenys, I think, is probably feeling a lot of betrayal that Aemon stole her late daughter's dragon. You know, that's still got a, that's, that's big. They took Vagar. Oh, yes. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. That's now could be used that, against yeah. her. So she's going to need support. So yeah, it was really interesting seeing them sort of reconcile, um, even if it was a bit tenuous. But I love that Rhaenys was, was able to kind of go front and center in that courtroom scene. And I felt like she got in a position of power that she's not really been given for most of her life. She finally got to have a bit of a, a bit of a say in, in what was going to go on yeah. with Driftmark. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Vagar there and that is that is this week's wisdom actually we're going to talk about Vagar she's still going to play a massive part I think moving forward even more so she's the biggest dragon so I thought after last week's coup dragon coup uh, it was high time we we delved into a bit of Vagar wisdom Vagar is an enormous she-dragon of House Targaryen. She was ridden by Queen Visenya Targaryen during Aegon's conquest, alongside Aegon the Conqueror's Beleriand and their sister Rhaenys' dragon Meraxes. Following the deaths of Rhaenys and Meraxes in 10 AC at Hellholt in Dawn, Visenya and Aegon burnt almost every Dornish stronghold during a two-year period known as the Dragon's Wrath. When King Aegon the Conqueror died in 37 AC, it was Vagar's flames that lit his funeral pyre. Visenya died on Dragonstone in 44 AC, leaving Vagar without a rider. She remained unridden for 29 years, spending much of that time on Dragonstone and later taking residence in the Dragon Pit in King's Landing. It was in 73 AC that Prince Balon the Brave set out to become a dragon rider and claimed Vagar. Along with Caraxes and Verbithor, Vagar burned the Dornish fleet that attempted to invade the Stormlands during the Fourth Dornish War in 83 AC. And I hope you're taking notes because I will be testing you later. After the death of Beleriand of old age in 94 AC, what a timeline, Vagar became the last of the three Targaryen dragons who'd fought in the conquest and the last living creature to see old Beleria. Vagar became riderless again when Prince Balon passed away in 101 AC. Princess Lena Valarian would become the next to mount Vagar, and when she wed Prince Daemon Targaryen, they flew upon their dragons across the narrow sea to Pentos. Everywhere they went, huge crowds came to catch a glimpse of Vagar and Caraxes. When Lena was in labour with their third child and it was clear neither mother nor babe would survive, Lena commanded her mount to give her the death of a dragon rider, and Vagar consumed her with her flames. Now Aemon Targaryens claim Vagar becoming the fourth to mount the Great Beast and giving the Greens a massive boost in firepower. Vagar's grown almost as large as Balerion and is now the oldest and largest of the dragons in Westeros. She's the hardened survivor of countless battles, but only time will tell if there are more yet to come. Battles, that is, not dragons.
Uh, that's your wisdom for this week. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I think we need to talk about Viserys's long walk to the throne, his decision, the Last Supper, and maybe a bit more about that re- crazy, crazy misunderstanding. <laughs> Don't go away. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to DragonCast. This is episode 9 of DragonCast, but uh, confusingly, and I wish I'd never started it, episode 8 of House of the Dragon is our subject. I'm with Chris Mandel, as always. Hello, Chris. Hello. Quick shout out, just a reminder, if you just joined us late, although do people join podcasts late? That would be a bit weird. Very hard to do. Don't forget to go, exactly, it's very hard to do. You have to make a concerted effort to scrub all the way to the the middle midpoint. Uh, We do have our bonus episode with none other than King Viserys uh, himself, Paddy Considine, uh, in a podcast world exclusive. Uh, speaking to us the day of his final episode on House of the Dragon and what a conversation it is. But you'll have to wait just a little bit for that. So we're in the throne room. It's all kicking off. Everyone's had their say. Rhaenyra is about to say, well, she, she starts off saying this is an absolute farce. Otto is looking pretty damn pleased with himself. Alicent too, and then the door opens and everything changes. What a scene, Chris. What a scene. It was so good. I mean, I love a courtroom drama at the best of times, but what I loved is that Viserys managed to dramatically open the doors at that time, given it takes him like half an hour to get down the stairs. He must have planned it at four in the morning. Like, it's going to take, I'm going to have to go here, I'm going to have to stop for a rest. I loved it because, you know... It's like the sloth in Zootopia. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, you know, this episode's been so interesting because the, the Hightowers are pretending to, like, work on behalf of the king, speak on behalf of the king, and even sit on the throne. Alison and Otto both sit on the throne, which, given that they're not the king or the queen, technically, is a bit of yeah. an affront. So to see Viserys and to see their reactions was really, really interesting. Um, yeah. And his ascent was fantastic. We talked about this a little bit in our episode with uh, our interview. Yeah, with don't give anything Paddy. away. Okay, don't give anything away. No, you mean about my, the- my my theory? Oh no, yeah, go. But you can talk about your theory. Yes, talk about your theory. That's all I want to say. Is I'll that, allow like, it. I'll allow it. Basically, what what my impression watching this was that because Viserys has got his walking sticks and he's hunched over, and he kind of very gently kind of like goes like this. I'm sort of doing it on the camera. It looks. 
he looks like a dragon about to take flight. And this whole walk up to the throne room is like his, his runway. And I thought it was so cleverly realized because he is the king that does not have a dragon. He is the old dragon. He's the dying dragon. And he takes one last flight. And I thought it was so, so cool. And that's kind of how I saw it. It was this amazing ascension for him. It's yeah. slow. It's not as glamorous. He drops the crown, but he sits there and he sort of passes judgment on the whole thing. He does call the whole thing a farce and he uses his powers as king to sort of, you know, vote in Rhaenyra's favour. He kind of says this whole thing is is a joke, like, basically, doesn't he? Yeah, it kind of has this renewed energy. His, you know, his, his voice, he finds his voice again. He even manages to... to pull out the cat's paw dagger at one point as yeah. well when he was going to he was going to get stuck in um and it was just a beautiful scene the the moment between uh Viserys and Damon on the steps of the throne was just glorious we talk about that at great length with um with Paddy yeah. uh, so you'll have to wait a little bit to hear about 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 the the story behind that but Let's cut to the chase. What a great death. What a brilliant death that was, Chris. You know, we've seen a lot of death in Westeros. I've never seen someone's head get chopped off, but their tongue stay in their mouth. So I thought that was incredible because he did, Damon did it from behind. Um, also, yeah. what I what is really great is that um, Rhaenys says to Vaymond early in the episode, you will have your tongue out for this. They will have your tongue out for this if you call them bastards. And he actually doesn't. His tongue actually stays in. It's just the rest of his head that gets yeah. taken off. <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it was um, brutal I, I really jumped I really jumped when I saw that there was a, there was a series in the early noughties or maybe the late 90s where they where they took the body of a serial killer and, and sliced him up into tiny little did you ever see that, no. that where they like, did it just just as an experiment they put they was it did, that like, doctor that German doctor Oh no, it wasn't the weird Dr. Death fella. It oh. was it was a documentary, I think, and it looked it just reminded me exactly of that. It just looked like an MRI scan, didn't it? Yeah. It was so so good. It never, was, never underestimate the sharpness of Valerian Steel. It was such a shock. I thought it I thought he would get executed in a slightly more like noble fashion. Like but yeah. Damon just and it was just it was so shocking. And I think it kind of speaks to what we talked about last week where Rhaenyra and Damon are a bit like, listen, we're gonna have to start ruling through fear a little bit. And I think it, yeah. it, there's a bit of this this um, this Bonnie yeah. and Clyde of Targaryens uh, in full effect. And I thought it was incredible. Uh, but, you know, well, what do you think? Vaymond, for me, we haven't really had a lot of time with him. And I feel a bit like, yeah, like, I. what do you think about him? I enjoyed his performance. I thought, I thought it, I thought it was, I, I kind of, he was, I think he was necessary to kind of rile up Corliss a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Because he was, you know, Corliss was in the middle and, he's, he's, you know, Rainey's was on one side and, um, and and Vaymond on the other. So I think that was what that was what his purpose yes. was in terms of serving the narrative of the yeah. series was to get Corliss wound up about people don't remember blood, they remember names yeah. and, and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas actually, although Vaymond was very much on the opposite of that thinking, he said it is all about the blood. But uh, it was all right. It, it, I, I think, you know, it, I, I'm not going to miss him. You know, I don't think it, it, it served his purpose, I think. One thing I thought was interesting that I think maybe came up when they were talking to Alicent was, maybe it was at the small council, they said, you know, we, we, we might be about to go into war and we don't want the head of our fleet being a child. And that's not how choosing succession works, right? The line of succession no. is what it is. But I did, I was yeah, a bit yeah. like, oh, I can sort of see like a slightly... A, a slightly businessy case for like choosing this role yeah. strategically, but I think Vaymond is a sort of very classic Westerosi character of like you were right that they are bastards, but if you don't learn how to manage the flow of information, you are going to get killed. Like you, it's you, yeah. it's a bit of a Ned Stark thing actually, because that's basically what happened yeah, to him, right? He tried to sort of say yeah. the king's heirs are bastards, and he, yeah, you win or you die. So I kind of think it was necessary, as you said, a good counterpoint. But, you know, the body count really is piling up and House Valerian is getting a lot smaller, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, mean, I think the, the, And the future coalition seems quite far away. You know, they're, yeah. they're still babies. Yeah. You know, the dragons that we're talking about, they're still eggs. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, it's, it's still far away. Let's move on to the Last Supper because uh, part of, you know, the people that we haven't really spoken about a lot, given the, 
the part they're going to play moving forward is Alison and Otto. Otto, again, you know, very few lines, but has really come out. He's, 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 he's pulled the mask back and is mm. now full, full villain. Are they being driven by the faith of the seven? Is there a sparrow somewhere that is going to be revealed at some point to 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 be kind of manipulating them in the same way that the high sparrow was with um with Cersei uh, and Margarine with, and that sort of with thing. Cersei and Marjorie and, and all of those lot? Because the the religious angle for um for, for Alicent is that and I watched a um in the behind the behind the episode uh episode on on youtube which everyone should go and watch um i think miguel sapochnik says that that alison sees the faith of the seven as as a way of her redeeming herself which kind of feels a bit a bit iffy to me do we think that do you think that otto is a believer in the faith of the seven as well or is that just her thing is it like she's charging her crystals in front of the moon (laughs) kind of thing Uh, well i think they they are because i think the old gods are really only followed by like the northerners the wildlings and like the ancient houses like the targaryens so i think they they worship the seven in old town where the high towers are from what i think is interesting is as as you sort of said there just the way that Alison is wearing this like armor, that seven pointed star almost looks like a weapon. The chains, the slightly more conservative dress reminded me of Cersei. It reminded me of people who use religion to, um, as a cover for like quite villainous acts themselves. You know, she was really quite. Catholic a, Church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was really a force to be reckoned with, but she was doing it under the guise of like religious piety and, and like. Uh, wholesomeness. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that Rhaenyra and Damon both said, we don't even recognise this castle because they've been hanging Faith of the Seven uh, sigils and, and things from the from the walls. Yeah, they were mentioned that they'd, they'd, they'd hung, they'd covered all the murals up. Yeah. Apparently those murals showed erotic dragon art, uh, which oh. I I can't say I'd noticed. I but never I'm, uh, noticed go that, back but and, that uh, is an absolutely amazing yeah. detail. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's really, it's a way for them to, to flex. I think also... You know, it's just a way to show that they've moved in. Like, you know, if I was uh, having to sit in a church on a throne, I'd probably bring my Sonos speaker. I'd probably bring a candle from Muji. You know, I'd bring a few things to make it feel a little bit more like Are you a Muji guy? Are you you a Muji guy? The bonfire candle. Yeah. The bonfire candle from Muji? Okay. This is not sponsored, by the way. (laughs) It's not, but I'd love to be. So White Company, uh, I love your pomegranate. Uh, Please send lots of them. Thank you. Wow. Hashtag ad. We should do Hashtag a candle, spawn, a candle episode. <laughs> oh my God, don't start me off. The, but yeah, I thought, DS and Durga. I thought, yeah. Uh, yeah, just a very interesting way to show them flexing themselves. And yeah, there was a lot more green hanging. There was a lot more of the seven-pointed star. I mean, on Westeros, yeah. it seems to be like, you know, the religions are all sort of, it's like preaching the same thing. They just, you know, are choosing to interpret it a bit differently. But yeah. And so we're in the Last Supper. Otto's kind of like begrudgingly had to sort out the buffet uh, a moment's notice. He yeah. didn't seem particularly happy about that. It looked good though. It did look good. It did look good. Just rustle up a few suckling pigs as you do. Yeah. And the whole family were there. And it did, weirdly, did feel very much like uh, a slightly enforced family get together, didn't it? Yeah. It, was, it was like, it was like I've been to those dinners, <laughs> you know? It, it felt a bit like that, didn't it? Yeah. Um, it was a tour de force from Paddy again. It was just the speech was amazing. The the sentiment was great. The visual effects. I mean, he was part two face from the Dark Knight. Mm. Was, what was Virgil? What was Gary Oldman's character from Hannibal? Virgil, somebody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen, seen that. It was very but, much like didn't that. Didn't it as make well, you think but, of um, the crab feeder though? That mask. Like I yes, really, right. I was like, is it inspired by that? Is is seeing the crab feeder like? Has that been sort of part of the, oh, we could make a similar thing? Like, it was obviously a bit newer looking, but I thought, how interesting well, maybe that, that... Maybe that's what the crab feeder's purposeful was, was Yeah, for. We were always wondering. You know, it's really... But but it was really interesting, just the, the reveal when it comes off, you know. We knew yeah. something grotesque was under there. And it was so... And also, right in front of the food, you're like, oh, lovely hollowed out cheek. No, it's like, it's, it's like, yeah, how does he eat? I mean, he clearly passed eating. Like the, the, the tendons, well, it was great. It was it really, was, really, it was, really detailed. So there was a really powerful moment. And, and again, we do talk about this quite a lot in our interview with Paddy, but just that yeah. he takes off the mask in, in, in a literal sense and says that being the king and absorbing 
all of the blows from this family has basically done me in. And please stop looking at me as a king. Look at me as a father, brother, you know, um, and all that. If not for the crown, if not for the crown, for this old man who loves you all so deeply. I mean, it was just such a great line. There was such a sense of reconciliation in this episode that they figured out, they realised, and I thought Alison and Rhaenyra particularly managed to bury some of this. But I think what we talked about last week was they do seem to be in a better position, but the rot is set into the next generation and they can't stop that in the way that Viserys couldn't stop, you know, what's going on. And it just, it goes on and on. And so, you know, we saw the, the kids trading and there was a great moment between Alison and, and Rhaenyra where Alison actually stroked her scar with her thumb. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, I thought that was really. She was like, she was like, hold, she was like holding hands, and she was just like stroked her scar. It was, because it was did so, you see so when good. they first reunited at the start of the episode, Rhaenyra covers the scar with her sleeve because she doesn't right, want Alison okay. to see it, to see what's still there. And so that moment when she touches it, and I really thought like, oh, they they are sort of towards mending this. Well, they were. They they, they remind. They were reminded that they were friends. That it was, and 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 that actually, they've ended up where they are because of men, hmm. because of the patriarchy, because of because they of, didn't sign know, up. They for were this. friends. They didn't sign up. For this they didn't sign up. They didn't sign up to be enemies. They were forced, and this is this is just where they were forced. I was going to say, speaking of that, you know, there was a lot of animosity in that scene. Uh, what I loved was Jace, uh, Rhaenyra's eldest having a dance with Helena, which just sort of didn't have a great deal of context, but it was really sincere. And she seemed yeah. really happy. And it was just like, oh yeah, you, you, there's something really warm about this family. And just Jace to me, absolute standout lad. Like, what a sweetheart. Good lad. Good lad. And even Helena, like she seems fairly less evil in the grand scheme of things. And I just yeah. loved that. Um moment where they Maybe stood away and they were just having a bit of time together i thought that was really nice who was helena on about where she they were talking about obviously there was the going on about sex with you know jace and and aegon was teasing jace about sex and uh and all of that kind of stuff but then helena stood up and said uh it's not too bad he usually ignores you except when he's drunk is she referring to someone she's referring that to she's her, her now with? husband which is uh, aegon right i understand that. so she's like and that's what's so, that's what's so awful about it is she's talking about her brother and she's just like, yeah, oh yeah, you know, it's all right, really. You know, I've had a few drinks. Um, so Aegon and her were betrothed, I think, last episode. Of course, And yeah. then now yeah. they are married. And I, I wasn't sure, but like maybe she's pregnant as well. I don't know. But she did say something this episode that I um, put the subtitles on for. You know, Go on. Helena is now a dreamer, right? So... We have yeah. started to see that things... That People she- say she's a dreamer. <laughs> she said, I've written this down, beware of the beast below the boards. Yes, yes. I wrote that down as well. What does that mean? So, well, I, my immediate thought was the dragon pit because there are dragons underground. I yeah. wonder if like Vagar is going to break out or if one of them is going to go kind of wild and kill a load of dragons or like something about the dragon pit. Yeah, I think you're right. The- There's... Maybe that's maybe that ties into why we were shown where the the nesting bit must was. Be. Or, but it must be. But because because one thing I did think like earlier on in this episode where you counted out how many dragons there were, I was thinking that feels like too many dragons. Yeah, that feels like a lot of dragons. It feels like you know what ten dragons. I'm kind of thinking I don't think there's going to be ten dragons fighting each other. Well, it, that I mean, make sense. listen, we all pay our now TV subscription, but. Even all the mon- all the subscriptions in the world can't afford for ten dragons to be carrying on. How many goats? Yeah, exactly. How many goats? Well, it's interesting. We've not seen any dragons die yet, and I do think whether through age, whether through accident, some of them won't grow up to be really big. Some of them might die in their infancy. You know, there's got to be a, a bit of a clearing of the decks at some point. So, and I was gonna. Was it last episode where I said I was going to try and work out who uh, Daenerys is? Uh, yeah, are, are their grandparents? Is, is Daenerys's dragon's grandparents alive yet, or are I don't they, are think they? Yet they to be- I mean, it's hard to tell because Daenerys's dragon eggs were petrified, so they were sort of almost fossilized. Yeah. I think that'll be. I think it'll be a bit soon. I think all the ones that there are eggs of will hatch and be dragons that her three may descend from. But right. I sort of don't mind. I don't feel like I really need them to like join the dots up that much at this point. No, no, I was just, I was just intrigued. Yeah, I didn't work out. The passing of time. Are any of these dragons here going to be parents to uh, to Daenerys's dragons? Yeah. Um, now, 
all that you know, last supper over everyone's like oh, that's nice lovely stuff we can all pack up that was the last episode of house of the dragon it's all been sorted thank you very the much end. and then and then in true in, a, in such a brilliant scene that had me screaming the misunderstanding the, the the miscommunication whatever you want to call it just brilliant you know alison just saying i understand my king I mean, she didn't. She missed. You literally didn't. You misunderstood it. You stupid person. Um, but in her mind, she's she's now clear on what she must do, and that is to to overthrow Viserys's last wish, which is just yeah. uh, just brilliant. But it's it's interesting. She thinks she's following his last words. It's you. Yeah. He, she thinks she's been let in. She yeah. and I think the religious thing you mentioned earlier is really helpful because it feels like they both think they've got a sign from above. Like ah. Oh, I've seen the light. I get it now. I'm a convert. I get it. But they can't yeah. both be right. So I think that's what's so fascinating is, I, you know, Alison, like, definitely is getting a little bit more corrupted by her father. She's definitely a bit more sinister. But, you know, I think it goes both ways. I think Rhaenyra is obviously also, like, willing to do a lot to keep her family safe. But I think Alison is still fundamentally trying to do the right thing. I think you can see, like, especially with her sons, like the lack of control she has over them is a worry yeah. for her. And I think she's she's thinking, right, well, I'm going to have to do right by my husband because I'm a good wife. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a good mother You're to these right. sons. So it's going to really, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's going to be outright war at this point. Oh, well, I'll tell you, you know, obviously there was more from Viserys uh, and there was more from Viserys's point of view and those Viserys's last moments as well. No point in us talking about that now because you know what? We've already had easily the best conversation that anyone on the planet could be having today of all days about those last moments of Viserys because we asked Viserys himself. So uh, Paddy, and he spoke so eloquently and beautiful about it, beautifully about it. Uh, you just have to wait for the, um, the the bonus episode, which will have dropped probably by now if you're yeah. listening to this. It's there. So, you know, go and, go and listen to that. Now, episode nine, we've only got two episodes left. I can't believe and, it. And, you know... Traditionally, you know, episode nine, by the time we got to kind of season seven or eight of, of Thrones, we're like episode nine's where it's at, baby. I don't know. They've probably purposefully broken that mold now. Mm. I would imagine if I was them, I probably would have done the same. But with what we were left with at the end of episode eight, who, who the hell can guess? Shall we watch it? Let's do it. Let's watch this episode nine trailer. Let's do it. The king is dead. You told me you wish for Egon to be king. The door remains shut until we finish our business. None can know who you are or what you seek. What of Rhaenyra? I found out something you should know. Seizure! It is treason at the least! Have you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? Oh, bloody hell. It's, uh, it's all kicking off. It's all kicking off, lads. Um, yeah, it's about to go off, isn't it? So from what I can gather there, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that um, in light of Viserys' death, Alicent reveals uh, what she believes to be his dying wish, mm-hmm. which was for Aegon to be king. We see Otto, they seem to have locked the throne the throne room, saying the door remains shut until we finish our business. Uh, one of the mace, um, one of the small council, I forget his name. Is it Lord Beesbury or the... Lord Beesbury, the master of coin, I think yeah. he is, isn't he? Um, he was saying, you know, this isn't just treason. It's, it's what's the word he used? I think he said uh, it, it, yeah. He's, seizure. Yeah. It's a seizure. seizure. But no glimpse of Rhaenyra, no glimpse of Damon. We see Otto saying, none can know who you are or what you seek to someone with long, dark hair, which I don't think is Alison, but no, maybe. I, I don't think. think... So in this... There's a lot of murder cloaks being worn. Oh my God. The murder cloak collection by Uniqlo is clearly selling like hotcakes in Westeros. Um, No, I think... So there was a new character in this episode, in episode eight, 
who is like a twin. There's these guards that are twins and it, they're played by Luke and Elliot uh, Tittensaw, who were for, who were in Shameless. Do you remember that? Do you remember oh, those? okay. Played Carl in Shameless. And I saw them in the cast and I was like, oh, when are they going to come up? And Alison spoke to one of them, Eric and Eric Cargill. God, the fucking names again. Just give them different names. Eric Connor, and Eric. Producer Connor just put that in the chat. Eric and Eric. I mean, for goodness sake, guys. At least there was one of them not called Aegon. Do you know what I mean? So they are guards. I think they have different kind of roles in the... I kind of thought it looked like it might be one of them, but I can't be sure. Okay, fine. Well, I'll tell you that. That makes a lot of sense. So... We don't see Damon, we don't see Rhaenyra, but we do see Lara Strong uh, speaking to Alicent, saying, uh, I found out something you should know. Mm -hmm. Then that cuts very quickly to a very small Targaryen child in prison, which I presume is, uh, that was the man. Again, they all look like baby Boris, don't they? Yeah, and one of the new ones. Joffrey? No, because Joffrey's got strong hair, hasn't he? So I think it will be either Aegon III or Viserys Viserys or the new one. I can't be the new one because I think he'll be... More. No, it can't be the new one. I think this but it is looks literally like the they next lock day, up isn't it? any any Rhaenyra loyalists because they were they were putting some of the maids and stuff in the cells, and there's a baby in a cell, which just seems absolutely. It's like Alison Hightower's like uh, you know putting children in cages on the Mexican border. It's her sort of uh, Mexican border moment. <laughs> yeah, locking up all the kids. Um, we see Kristen Cole. Uh, getting stuck in and so he's gone so we see ah, so this is the look you remember a couple of episodes back we were talking about the the, the looks and the the the, the relationship between uh, Kristen Cole and the other Kingsguard the guy oh uh, the, the bald guy with the Graham beard Graham McTaggart oh my god Graham McTaggart yeah we see those two uh, at, uh, Harold fighting Westling. Harold Westling yeah so we see those two uh, uh, at each other's throats with swords, so yeah, it looks like it's a it's a coup of the highest order. Connor's Connor's suggestion is that the blonde baby is Aegon's had a, another like a bastard of Aegon, like he's got another girl pregnant and she's had a little baby, and they're like, oh, oh no, they're- you're actually like a direct, you're like an heir to the king, future king, like we need to lock you yeah. up. Jesus Christ, they're uh, going to start killing babies, see- aren't they? It's going to be too much. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we need that. Um, we see we see a very angry um, Aegon. He doesn't look happy. He doesn't look like a man who's pleased to be crowned king. Mm-hmm. But then, pleasingly, Rainey's uh, seemed to play a bigger part yes. in that. We saw her going into the door uh, earlier on, and then it's her voice at the end yeah. that says, have you never imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? We don't know who she said. I thought from the trailer that she'd been locked in her room as well. Do you not think, is that what she was, I thought she was kind of like banging against the door. Yeah, there might be a bit of subterfuge where they're, they're playing Rainey's voice over yeah. someone else's hands. Hands with the... It's, oh. It looks great. I think this and 10 just feel like maybe they could be like a two-part sort of finale in a way. Yeah. It's going to kick off, yeah. isn't it? I've got... It is, it is. And I've got, and beautifully, and, and my favourite part of it is I've got no idea how, how you know, how it's going to I end. think you're right, though. I think they've broken, I don't think it's going to be like a traditional episode nine, but who knows? No, there's no, there's no kind of, there's no, uh, there's no mic drop, I don't think, uh, but it looks absolutely fantastic. Wow, I can't wait, Chris. We do have a question to pose to our listeners, actually, and it's kind of unrelated to House of the Dragon in a in a way. Mm. We're really bowled over by the success of of the podcast. It's been fantastic, and it's been growing every single week. And we don't we don't want to stop, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because I mean, me and Chris dearly love each other, uh, but also it just seems like such a waste of a great conversation because this is my favorite part of the week hands down is spending this hour talking about house of the dragon uh with chris and to you guys and getting your feedback as well so here's the question how do we keep Dragoncast going when there's no house of the dragon obviously there'll be bits of news feeding through but my intuition is telling me that we're not going to see season two of house of the dragon until april 2024 i think it's my that's that's not based on any insider knowledge whatsoever i just think that uh, game of thrones was traditionally premiered in april i think a bit like the london marathon after covid they're going to try and get back there eventually so 
that's a long time to to be without this series. And it feels a bit weird just to kind of drop it in two weeks' time and say, well, we'll see you in about 18 months. Mm. So we'd like your opinion on that. Would you like to hear us keeping on talking about, obviously we'll be true to Thronesland and th- true to Westeros whenever there is any news or opportunity to speak to anybody. But I don't know, kind of thinking there are other shows as well that we could be talking about, which I think which I think you'd probably like as well. I think if you like Game of Thrones and you like the kind of shows that we like, then, you know, The Last of Us is coming mm. up. That looks brilliant. There's that one with, um, what's the one that's on the peripherals? That that looks pretty mm. good as there's well. There's a lot of good um, telly out there. There's even... There's, there's some great telly out even there. Even scope, yeah. once we've finished this season and we know how the season one ends, there might be, might be scope for a deep dive back into House of the Dragon and you know, doing yeah. a kind of, you know, let, let's see if our opinion on things just have changed, the things that didn't work, maybe yeah. they worked better. Like, you know, there's maybe details very early on that we've missed, so that could work. But yeah, this is true. Yeah, this we might have a long wait unless HBO want to send us on set and just report I mean, on what's uh, going down. Oh, Chris. Get us out there. I mean, th- why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Well, I mean, Paddy apart from money us. and... Paddy. Oh, no, he's, I mean, no, he's not on his... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I wonder if his pass still works. Maybe he's... Can we get his swipe card? Can we get Paddy's swipe card I off him? Thought, the... Oh, we've got a new friend, Paddy, and then I just remembered he died. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's our friend, is because he, he doesn't need to talk to us about asking the dragon anymore. That was my meal ticket. Okay. Um, but listen, get in touch. Leave us a Twitter comment at dragoncast underscore pod. Send us an email, dragoncast at uh, uh, daftdoris.com. Leave a comment on the YouTube. We want to keep the conversation going, but we don't want to do it if you don't want to listen. You know, I, th- I kind of think that we'll have lots of interesting stuff to talk about, but would love your feedback on that as well. So until next time, uh, I mean, go and listen to the Paddy episode because it is absolutely fantastic. It's one of the best interviews so I've ever been a part him. of. I loved it so, so much. Also, can I do, can I do a cheeky plug? Yeah, You know do. what I'm going to do, don't you? Oh, of course. Hey, hey. I've waited. I go for it, Chris. So I feel like I should have got this in earlier. So I interviewed Paddy for GQ. It's online today. Uh, so if you go on GQ's website, big, big interview with him that is kind of timed to this episode. And... I went up to meet him last month in Burton-on-Trent, where he lives. We spent the afternoon together and yeah, big, big profile. Very proud of it. And if you liked our chat with him, you'll probably really enjoy reading that as well. Go read it. It's fantastic. Chris is, you know, aside from just chatting shit on air every week, he's a brilliant journalist. Also, Don't tell him can I get a little tease? That is not the only cast member I have interviewed. I cannot say any more, but keep your eyes on the prize. <laughs> You haven't even told me that. Well, I'll tell you when we stop recording. <laughs> Little fucker. See, he's like the master, master, master of whiskers. I am. Fucking Lara Strong, strong here. of the podcast. For the Paddy piece as well, Emily Carey, who played young Alicent, uh, spoke to me a bit, which was great. She's in there a very little bit. She's dying. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, absolutely lovely. But yeah, I'll tell you when we stop filming. We stop recording. Dragoncast fans, Chris, thank you so much for chatting. Go listen to the Paddy episode. We will see you next week for the penultimate discussion on House of the Dragon Season 1. Dracarys. Don't forget House of the Dragon airs exclusively on Sky Atlantic at 2am every Monday, then repeats that same evening at 10. You can also get it on demand via now. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at dragoncast underscore pod or email dragoncast at daftdoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for Dragoncast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. Dragoncast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel, produced by Connor Driscoll, edited by Buddy Peace, and is a Daft Doris production. Dracaris. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.